our second reading this afternoon is Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 21, and that can be found on page 1082 of your Bibles. That's Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Not that I have already reached the goal, or I'm already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say it again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, well, welcome. Uh, if we haven't met, it's good to be here. My name's Andy, and I'm one of the student ministers here at Church by the Bridge. Uh, I might just pray before we get into it. Pray with me. And Father God, you know what our day has been like today. Uh, you know where our mind and our thoughts and our energies have been. And we do ask and pray now that you might lift us to yourself and that you might enable us to hear what you'd have to say to us. We pray that you do this work by your spirit uh, and that you might encourage and capture us uh, for the sake of your dear son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it was uh, about nine years ago in November 2008. Uh, uni had just finished up and that would normally be a really good thing because I'd just have three months of holidays. But this time it wasn't because I'd been chatting to this girl, Miriam, uh, at the Christian group, and I really enjoyed chatting to her, and I wasn't sure how we're going to continue chatting over the break. Um, but fortunately, I knew I had one last chance uh, to kind of make sure I can continue something over the break. Uh, the Christian group, which is where we met, they had like an end-of-year function. Um, and I was determined to get her number at that function. See, I remember before the night, uh, kind of thinking through the things in my head, you know, what are the different topics we could talk about, um, you know, what's going to be the most natural way to ask for her number. Um, on the night, we, so we're in a big kind of circle table, on the night, we actually got put at the same table. And I didn't organise that, but we did get put there. And we weren't sitting next to each other. But as the night went along, I kind of jimmied my way across. You know, I was just 
edging my way towards Miriam. Um, See, everything on that night was about getting her number. And yeah, at one level, it was really, really bad. Like, I remember being in a conversation with a guy, uh, a, a mate, and I was there physically, a little chatting, talking, uh, but my mind, I was not there. Like, you know, I am watching Miriam walk around thinking, uh-oh, is she leaving? Have I missed my chance? What's going on here? All the while, while he's talking to me, and I'm just going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, it, was, it was really ugly. I actually said sorry to him later, but that's where my mind was at. My mind was focused on Miriam. Once the night was over, I, I kind of built up enough courage uh, to let my intentions out there. And I asked for her number, and she said yes. She said yes. And I was stoked. I was so stoked. I remember going home, um, you know, kind of chuffed with myself, thinking, I aim to get her number. I'm coming home with her number. I was so happy. Uh, see, that goal, that night, I had one goal, and it shaped everything I did. See, what your goal is in life, it shapes everything you do, doesn't it? I mean, it's not really anything profound there. That's just the nature of life. See, Paul, he had a a goal that he lived for, and it shaped everything he did. Paul's goal that we just read about, it's far greater than just getting a phone number. Uh, it was, come, come with me, we're going to be in the Bible, so open up your Bible, uh, and we're going to be working through that. Verse 14, here's where Paul tells us his goal. Verse 14, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. See, he, here in this verse, Paul is talking about that end point of becoming a Christian, uh, that heaven would call, the final destination of where all who would trust in Jesus are called to, that is, heaven with Christ. I think this goal is more than just being kind of a mature Christian in the sense that we use that word. It's being a fully mature person. It's kind of a complete person in every sense of that word. Um, he kind of talks about it in verse 21, come down to verse 21, where he describes this future hope that he has. A he, that is Jesus, will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. See, this is what Paul is captured by. He is chasing that future glory of transformation of his lowly body, of being in heaven with Christ. See, Paul knew where he was heading, and it shaped everything he did. He pursued it like a man possessed. Three times he talks about his pursuit. Come to verse 12 with me. And not that I've already reached a goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it. Verse 13, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Verse 14, I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. See, it's interesting, he's kind of laid out his goal, and he says, I pursue that goal to that end, but he wants to tell us that he, he hasn't made it, he hasn't reached that end point. And so he repeats himself twice. Verse 12, not that I've already reached the goal, uh, or am already fully mature, or verse 13, brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. Now this is interesting, because this is Paul, the apostle, saying this. See, if there was anyone 
who you and I would think about that could probably go, yep, this guy has made it as a Christian. He would be it, wouldn't he? Who else is there? He's just spent 30 years of his life devoted to Christ, planting churches, preaching the gospel, pouring out his life for the sake of others so that they may have life in Christ. Yet this man, Paul, he says, I haven't made it. I'm not there. Because he knows the future. (laughs) He knows what that future goal is where he will be glorified where he will be with Christ and he will be complete. That is the goal that captured Paul. Now, this goal that captured Paul, it's the same end point, it's the same future that everyone has who trusts in Christ. See, if you're a Christian, Christ has called you to that end point. That's what your future will look like, glorious, Can I say that as Christians, we have the best pursuit, don't we? We have the best end point. We have the best hope of what our life will look like with Christ. Our future, it's guaranteed. See, what will it look like to actually pursue this goal, though? What's that going to look like for you and I? I mean, it's easy when your goal is to get a number to think about what that's going to look like. But what's it going to look like to pursue the goal of heaven? Well, I have three things. Uh, Firstly, hold on to the one holding on to you. Fix your eyes on the end and imitate those who live it out. And we'll go through those three things. So firstly, hold on to the one who is holding on to you. And like any pursuit in life, we get this idea that this pursuit is hard work. It's like this image of running a race, and it takes real effort. But the thing that is unique about this race is, is that you're not alone in this pursuit. Did you catch that when we read that in verse 12? Have a look at verse 12 with me. Um, So Paul is saying, but I make every effort to take hold of it. Why? Well, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. See, Paul here, he's trying to take hold of the thing which has taken hold of him. (laughs) Like, it's precisely because Christ has captured him that he tries to take hold of Christ. See, I reckon it's like Paul is trying to, you know, I've said take hold of the the hand that holds him. So my youngest son, Tommy, he's one. Um, And when he was a newborn, I would just pick him up uh, and would go places and I'd walk and walk with him. But he, he wouldn't hold on to me at all. But now he's one. He's really learning how to, when I pick him up, he kind of hooks his arm around my arm and he holds on. Um, you know, at no point is Tommy kind of taking himself anywhere there. He's, you know, I'm holding him and we're walking. Uh, he's totally reliant on me to take him places. And even when Tommy often, which he does, he kind of, you know, arches his back to get out, even when he tries to get out of my hold, I still hold him. I don't want him to fall. See, I wonder if you're sitting here and you kind of feel a bit burdened by the thought of pursuing heaven. See, I wonder if that is because, you know, you might think it's all up to you and your efforts. See, as though, you know, 
if you let go at any point, it's going to be all over. Um, can I remind you that it's Christ who's holding on to you. He has you safe and sound. And he who began that work in you, he will complete it till completion. But you might be the opposite. So you might not be thinking it's all about you. You might actually be thinking, well, it's all about God. You know, just, I'm just going to take it easy now. God will do his thing. But they're, they're both wrong, aren't they? That's not what Paul is saying here. See, maybe you've had, um, maybe you've gotten lazy as you've grown in your Christian life, as you've gotten older. And then you actually don't make any effort to know the things of Christ, uh, to pursue Him and to take hold of Him. See, lift your eyes to the destination that you've been called to and ask God to help you take hold of Him and start pursuing Him, taking, grabbing hold of Him and His arms that hold you. So firstly, that's the first thing. You take hold of the one holding you. Secondly, you fix your eyes on where you're going. You fix your eyes on the end. Verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. The key here is that fixing your eyes on the future. It's all about not getting distracted uh, by the past and the things on the sidelines. It's all to do with where you're looking. Now, I remember when I was learning to drive, when I was on my L's, um, I remember I'd kind of be in the lane, but I'd be going everywhere. And I remember kind of thinking, how, did, you know, how does my dad drive straight down the middle of the line? You know, and I asked him one day, I said, do you, you know, dad, when you're driving, do you kind of look at the double lines and then you kind of work your way off that? Or do you look, you know, at the gutters and the plants on the side of the road and make sure you know we're near that? Uh, and he said to me, he said, you look where you want to go. And I was like, all right. And he said, you look in the middle of the road. And so sure enough, as I looked in the middle of the road, I wasn't kind of drifting and going from side to side. I just went down the middle of the lane. And this is the key to the Christian life, isn't it? That's what he's saying here. Keep your eyes focused on where you're going. Keep your eyes focused on that future point. Look to where you're going because where you're looking, that's where you'll end up. Now, there's all sorts of things that can distract us from keeping us from looking forward, to keeping our eyes on heaven. And maybe as you think about your past, maybe there's kind of, there's guilt or sin, are things that cause you to question, can I ever kind of serve God or pursue God like he's talking about here? Does God know my past, how I've let him down and how I've let others down? And this burden may just weigh you down and it actually prevents you from looking to the hope that we have in Christ. But maybe you're here and you're not kind of burdened by past guilt or shame, but you kind of, it kind of props you up. You look back to your previous time when you were, you know, when you served on the crew camps or the camp camps and you did youth group and you're really involved. But maybe you're looking back to those as though that's why you're here as a Christian. And you kind of keep glancing your way back, 
relying on that. Can I tell you to hear the words of Paul again? The one thing he does, he forgets what is behind and he reaches forward to what is ahead. Don't let the past lead you to despair or pride. Forget it. Lift your eyes to the future and press on to the end goal. Now, I also reckon, you know, we can get distracted by just forgetting about the end goal, can't we? See, I reckon it's, it's like um, we have the right intentions and we know where we're going, um, but we just get sidetracked along the way. See, when I, um, I remember the first time when I went to, to the snow, uh, and I remember driving there, and I don't know if you've been in the snow with this experience, but, you know, we're going up the hill and it keeps getting higher and higher, and I remember the first bit of snow, and we're in the car, we were like, yeah, pulled over to this kind of, you know, grubby bit of brown snow on the side, and we picked it up, and, you know, family got out the film camera, and uh, took some happy snaps of us going, yeah, we're here, you know, we've, we've made it. We hopped back in the car and kept going up the hill, and then we realised that, you know, mucky, grubby snow on the side of the road is nothing on the fresh powder that is up here, everywhere, snow everywhere. See, maybe you might be on the side of the road, You've got the intention to go up the mountain to the fresh powder, but you're holding this grubby bit of snow. Don't sell yourself short. We have the best pursuit anyone can offer. Lift your eyes to the end goal. Fix your eyes on heaven. It's kind of a hard question if you were to ask yourself, uh, you know, are my eyes fixed on heaven? Isn't it? Have you thought, have a think about that. Is that how you're living your life? And it can be really tough to answer that. But I reckon if you have a good mate or a spouse or you have children, maybe ask them. Say to them, what do you guys think? Do you think my goal, what do you think my goal in life is? Give it a go. I mean, it might be a hard question to ask, but give it a go. It might tell you something about yourself. That brings me to my third point. So we've had fix your, hold on to the one holding you, fix your eyes on the end. And thirdly, pursuing heaven looks like imitating those who live it out. Verse 17. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. See here what he's getting at is, ultimately you can tell what someone's goal is by how they live. It's the idea that your actions speak much louder than your words do. Uh, and Paul brings out this point by kind of contrasting two very different ways of living here. See, on the one hand, we have the person that's just primarily concerned about living for the here and now. Uh, their, their God is their stomach, that is, their God is themselves. They glory in their own shame. 
And their whole focus, their whole orientation is just now, here and now. And their end, where that is heading, that is judgment, eternal judgment. But on the other hand, you have those like Paul, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and their primary concern is about living for the future. Their God is Jesus. They glory in what Christ has done for them. And their whole orientation is focused about pursuing the things of Christ. And their end, that outcome, is eternal life. See, who are the people around you today, in your life, whose lives are just radically living for that future hope we have as Christians? Whose life just testifies that they're living for the future, they're not living for the here and now? Can I urge you to imitate them, get alongside them, copy them, ask them why? How is it that you choose to do this? You know, why are you choosing uh, to do this with your life? Get inside their head. See, these are the people that they're going to help you to keep your eyes fixed on the end goal and so, so to do life well now. Friends, eternity is at stake at this point, isn't it? One leads to heaven and glorified bodies with Christ, and the other to hell, to life apart from anything that is good. Okay, what does it look like to pursue heaven? Three things. Hold on to the one holding you, fix your eyes on the end, and imitate those who live it out. Now, I want to finish in a moment, but I reckon there's probably three, or three different types of people sitting here this afternoon who approach life in three very different ways. See, firstly, they, there might be those who approach life like they're living in a cafe, living for the experience, chasing all the different experiences the world has to offer you, living for that next holiday, living for that next stage of life, living for that next soccer or football game, living for that next type of food or that next type of cultural experience that they want to experience. Can I ask you, has this satisfied you? Have you had that experience? You go, yeah, I'm done. I have made it. See, are you afraid that this life is just it and you don't want to miss out on anything because you think it all, it all has to happen now? See, maybe you're here and your approach to life is like living in a shopping center. You know, you're trying to accumulate as much as you can. As many houses and toys. Uh, you're, you know, you're living for the hope that you'd get the better house in the better location with the better view. And you're holding out. You're holding out that with that next thing, with that next purchase, that with that, that faster car, you might be more complete. That you'll be more satisfied. Can I ask you, has that worked for you? But maybe you're here and you're living life now like you're in an airport. You know that this life isn't your home, but that the future one is, where you're going is. And you're super excited about it because you know that where you're going is far better than anything the here and now can offer you. And while you're here, you're determined not to settle for dirty snow 
on the side of the road. And so you're not obsessed with chasing every experience. You're not consumed by accumulating as much as you can. And you're not even just try to do life as comfortable as you can because your goal is heaven. That's the future that Christ has promised and secured you. And so you live now wisely, waiting for that end point. See, which one are you? I might pray. I thank you, Father, for securing our future in Christ. And Lord, thank you for that future hope that is solid, unshakable, which can never perish, spoil or fade, which if we trust in the Lord Jesus, that that is our end. And Father, we ask and pray that you might help us to live well now and that we might live with this future hope shaping everything we do here and now. In Jesus' name.